This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. That's one thing for people of the world that are blinded to get in on it because they don't have to be led by the Spirit because they don't have the Spirit. But Christians that are born of the Spirit, that have the Spirit of God in them, should never get caught up in anti-God things that are out to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. And so as I've said, he says here that the God of this world has blinded them which believe not. It doesn't say the God of this world has blinded believers. Believers are to get a hold of things from the Word of God and their spirits so their minds renewed and learn how to take authority over those demon spirits that try to destroy their cities. Amen. That's not in my notes. That's just coming out. Because that's the way it is. Believers should not get caught up. He's the God of this world. That's blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. How come that door's closed? Glorious gospel of Christ is shot in the devil. That door for me. Yeah, I want to see what's on the screen. But the uh, th- thing is, as we as believers have to recognize the source of our trouble, and I, w- I want to tell you something. I'm, you know, when you're taking notes, there's a whole lot of them I'm bottled up at. I haven't hardly preached for six months. I feel like you ever see a car jump that fire hose? Got all that water when it come out, it gets big like it's going to burst. They open the nozzle, the fire, the fire water squirts. Well, that's where I am. I got preaching me as it's coming out. So, so listen to what I'm going to say. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Jesus said, pray, thy will be done on earth as the will of God has been done in heaven. Well, did you ever think about those words? Why is the will of God being done in heaven, but it's not been done in your family? Or God's plan for your life, the will of God, the plan of God for your family. Because in heaven, there's no demonic resistance. Amen. Satan tried to rise up in heaven and stop the plan of God in heaven. He said, I think I'm as good as God. He said, I, I deserve a throne like God's. And so then Revelations chapter 12 says that God kicked out a third of the angels. And they were the rebels, the ones rebelled against the plan of God, the will of God in heaven. God kicked them out. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And then he showed up in the Garden of Eden. And then Adam had a chance. But Adam blew it. So that's when the fall of man took place. So then Satan and those third of what used to be heavenly beings are fallen angels or demon spirits. And they're Satan. So that's why we have to fight with our authority in the name of Jesus for the will of God to be done in the Samples family as it is in heaven. Amen. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, what we bind on earth is already bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Well, we bind the demon spirits that are behind our problems in life. We loose the Holy Spirit in our lives, give Him permission to move in our lives. You know that, that the Holy Spirit's a gentleman? That's why the Bible says, grieve not the Spirit, quench not the Spirit, resist not the Spirit. we got to give Him permission by our actions, with our mouths, how we worship God to move in our lives. Because He doesn't just move in like the devil. The devil comes in and He wants to take over and you have to take authority over Him. But the Holy Spirit just gently knocks. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, He said, I stand at the door and knock. So if a man will let me in, I'll come in and sup with him. I'll fellowship with him. And so we have to recognize we live in parallel worlds. Our physical body, which houses our human spirit, 
functions in this realm we're in, the world we can see. And when we give up the ghost, when we die, our physical body stays on this physical earth, but our spirit comes out. If we're born again, our spirit goes right to heaven. And so we, by our spirit, with our words, must function in the spiritual realm. And what we do in the spiritual realm determines what happens in the natural realm. Amen. And so it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Well, listen, we're in the world. We're not of the world. John 17, Jesus prayed for us. He said, Father, my people are in the world, but they're not of the world. We're of a different world system. And you need to get a hold of this because the battles you're facing, you know, Pastor Dave quoted from Ephesians chapter 6 today, verse 12, says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, not the rulers of our world. Our world's the heavenly realm. We are the ones that have authority in the heavenly realm. We're the ones that have authority over all the power of the enemy. That's Luke 10, 19 again. And so we have to recognize, we have to recognize the source of our problem. And so unsaved people are spiritually blinded to the parallel worlds we live and function in. And listen to this. And also believers that spend too much time entangled in earthly things and ignore feeding their spirit, the word of God, and fellowshipping with the Father in prayer. Believers, believers, Pastor Dave hit on this so good today. Believers that have bought fire insurance only. That's just, I don't want to go to hell. I believe in Jesus. But they never read their Bibles. They only come to church if it fits in with their busy schedule. Do you think that everybody in this room doesn't have a busy schedule? You know, some of the most busy people that I know in life are in this church three times a week. I talk about people that drive an hour to work, work eight or nine hours a day, drive an hour back home, and take care of all the other business they're doing. They're in here all the time. You know what they've determined? Jesus is Lord of my life. And if I don't press in and get all I can get, I'm going to lose. And then they count the cost. They look at their children. They look at their grandchildren. And they recognize, I can't just do that I set my mind to. I got to set my heart to. And when I get my heart, heart hooked up with it, my mind may be tired. You ever heard that expression? Do you ever set your mind to? Did you know that's not a God expression? That's not in the Bible. The Bible says renew your mind. It says cast down thoughts and imaginations. Your mind could be your enemy if it's not renewed with the Word of God. Willpower never got anybody the victory. It's God power. And you got to have a strong will submitted to God, but just having a strong will that does your own thing, you're never going to go anywhere in life. Amen. And so Christians, Christians that choose to press in for more, to get in the Word of God for spiritual strength, they can overcome the enemy. But if you don't do that, then you're going to become oblivious to that warfare around, and you're going to think that some politician is your real enemy. You're going to think some goofy law they passed stole from you. You can't steal from a tithing believer. I want to say it again. If you're a tither living for God, no matter what kind of laws they pass or don't pass, they can't steal from you if you're a believer. Because Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God said, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Amen. And all I can say, what I've learned over the years, is spiritual warfare as I've been in, where there have been people involved. Because see, people, people can yield to demon spirits or they can yield to the Holy Spirit. Even Christians. 
And Isaiah 54, 17, I don't want to quote too much scripture and just get too much out here, but what we're in, you got to get. Isaiah 54, 17, I learned off Brother Copeland's up at Dr. Lester Summerall's church in about 1982. He made a statement always stuck with me. Matter of fact, I, yeah, that was 1982. He said this. He said he prays Isaiah 54, 17 over his life every day and woe to the person that comes against him or the ministry God's called him to. It says this. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Now get this. At every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment will be condemned. The Amplified Bible says be shown to be in the wrong. He said, for your righteousness is a me, saith the Lord. And so what Brother Copeland said on that that really got into me, I've held on to all these years. I've seen some people fall that I really didn't want to see them get hurt. But I knew they wasn't coming against me, but the God in me, where they come against things that God had me in life doing. No weapon for them against me will prosper, and every tongue rise against me in judgment be condemned. And here's what I've always seen with that. Remember when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do? Well, I knew that when people were allowing the devil to try to destroy me, my family, and things God had us doing, I knew that God would work with them and work with them and work with them to let loose and back off. But I knew there would come a point in time that God would have to judge the situation. And what he did, that's why Jesus could weep when he said that, because I knew that when God gets involved with a matter, then people are in trouble. And so people have come against me in the ministry, against family things that are, I'm just talking about just living my life and people wanting to harass me and give me problems. I knew the devil behind it influenced them. And so you'd bind the devil and pray against those things, and I'd pray, Lord, soften their hearts, let them do, they don't, let them see, they don't know what they do, because it says right here they're blinded. It says their minds are blinded, they don't know what they're doing. Do you remember Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus held the clothes of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. And then it says, Saul of Tarsus, the book of Acts, say so went around door to door with chains to arrest Christians and put them in prison. Somebody separating them from their families. I mean, man, that's what that guy was doing. And then one day, Jesus showed up in a bright light. Well, at that point in time, just a theological question around the Bible, at that point in time, did Jesus live on earth or did he live in heaven? He lived in heaven. It's not a trick question. And so, when Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, how could he be persecuting Jesus? Jesus lived up, up in heaven. Well, in Matthew 25, Jesus said, If you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And so Saul came, Jesus came down and gave Saul a chance to turn or burn. He gave Saul a chance. Saul, I'm letting you know, you're a very religious man. Because he was a scholar of the scholars. I mean, he was the elite of the Hebrews. And then God, through Jesus, said to him, Why are you persecuting thou me? As Saul said, Who are you, Lord? I didn't know I was. Well, he was hurting Christians. So he stopped what he was doing. He gave his life to Jesus right there. And then he became a, a promoter of the Christian faith. Ended up being writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. What I'm telling you is this. In our lives, this spiritual warfare... If you're going to get out there and fight, fight an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, then you're going to lose your eye, you're going to lose your tooth, you're going to lose the fight. Amen. Our faith worketh by love. And so there's things we've got to do in the natural realm, but we've got to recognize the spiritual realm. What to do with faith seems weak and victory lost. You've got to recognize who your enemy is. Satan is the source of the problem. He may use natural things, he may use people, but the first thing you've got to do is recognize the spiritual arena. 
Sometimes you've got, to, you've got to say, Lord, open my eyes so I can see what the root is. I learned that years ago. When you're dealing with the problem, Satan will have you look at all the symptoms and all the things going on, and you won't even recognize the spirits behind it. I remember one time back in, uh, oh, probably, probably about 1981, 1982, I was still a truck driver. I was on the job, and uh, anyway, I didn't, working on the dock all day long, it was Teamsters, and they had the company out of the contract, and we got a 10-minute break every two hours. That's it, period. You get a 10-minute break. Then you work. I mean, that's something, man. They wanted you to work eight hours for them. <laughs> that's back where a bike could sue everybody, and that's back where the boss was always wrong, and all the, all the, all the goofballs were right. Anyway, back then, the boss was still the boss. And so we only got a 10-minute break, and between our fourth and sixth hour, we could have a 30-minute lunch. Not 32 minutes, we got a 30-minute lunch. And so you bet you better eat quick if you're hungry. So anyway, at the 10 minute break time, we had a little bitty break room that had, had three little tables in it. You'd probably get four or five guys to a table. And so it was really, really hot outside in Indiana, humid, humid, all that kind of stuff. And I had, I had a little pocket New Testament, you know, little pocket Bibles. I carried it in my pocket. And so on my 10 minute break, I'd, I'd get something to drink out of the, out of the Coke machine. And I'd sit there at the table, squeeze in somewhere. I wasn't being religious. I knew that I didn't live by bread alone, but every word proceeded out of the mouth of God. And when I was in all that darkness around me here, and all the cussing, the carrying on, the sex talk, and all that kind of stuff, all the time, man, I wanted to sit down there and not get in on the jokes of the break room. I wanted to sit there just go in my own little prayer closet and read my Bible. And so this one particular day, there's this guy from another trucking company there, because all the truck companies work together. And man, this guy was the cussedest, foul-mouthed guy I've ever heard in my life. Man, he breathed cuss words. He lived cuss words. And so it's really hot outside. That room is really air-conditioned. It is really chilled. No good. I'm sitting there, and all these guys are just carrying on yakety-yakety-yakety. Man, I'm hearing every other word. It's the blankety-blank word, the blank-blank word. I'm sitting there reading my Bible, and, and, and I'm just thinking, man, I wish that guy shut up. You know, I can put up a lot of the rattle, but keep on hearing that cuss word. Well, I'm trying to read what Jesus got to say. And the Lord said, that's the spirit of blasphemy. Take authority over it. And so, just real quiet, I said, you spirit of blasphemy, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Shut up! And man, that guy all of a sudden starts coughing. <laughs> Boy, it's hot in here. i got to get out of here and cool off. Well, it's 100 degrees out there. It's probably 70 degrees in here. But I bound that spirit, and it couldn't influence him anymore. And I just enjoyed my break reading my Bible right there, and that demon spirit got out of there. Did you know those harassing spirits... That controlled people come into your life and they'll harass you and they'll torment you if you'll let them. I remember the other time I was on a job. <laughs> I, I, I had a customer downtown Indianapolis where I made deliveries regularly every day. And from the time I'd walk in the door, I always prayed, Lord, send me to places where I could witness, where I could share about you, where I could share your love. And I, every day I'd go to this place, this guy, from the time I'd step in to do my business, he was a customer, I was a driver. But you know, you always chit-chat and have talking, you know, it's a little bit making time alive while you're there. Man, this guy, every time I walked through the door, all he was was yakety, 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 yak. I couldn't say anything about anything. And then one day in there talking, I prayed, Lord, let the guy shut up today, man. Let him have laryngitis or something. I want to say something. I want to say something about you. This guy just shuts up. I can't say anything. And he's yakety, yakety, yakety. And all of a sudden, the guy says, I got the gift of gab. I thought, that's what it is. As I turned around, I said, you gift a gab spirit. 
Shut up in Jesus' name. And after that, before I'd go there, I'd say, Gift of Gab in the name of Jesus. You can't operate in my presence. And then I started being able to share the gospel with that guy because the little demon spirit controlled him. So we have to recognize we live in two different realms. There's two different realms. I, I want to share with you on this point number one, just a few verses. Write this down because I don't want to look at them. I don't want to look at one of them. But write this down and you'll recognize them. Write down Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. Matthew 4, verse 3. And do you remember when Jesus was led by the spirit of the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? Well, Matthew 4, verse 3 says, when the tempter came. When the tempter came. And if you are familiar with James chapter 1, it says, let no man say what he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God can't be tempted with evil, neither tempts any man with evil. And so the tempter came to tempt Jesus. So the devil's called the tempter. And how many are familiar with John chapter 10, verse 10? The thief. Comes not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen, amen. Jacob, we have those verses on here. Are they up there? Well, they're not on here. Oh, there they are. Yeah, the thief. And so we have to understand that the devil's the thief that come to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus come for us to have life and that more abundantly. And so, so many times things in our life look like people are behind and trying to cause us ill, ill will and cause us problems to steal from us. It's not that at all. The devil's behind that situation. Amen. Still killed and destroy. And then I want you to look at, well, we'll look at this. Just write this one down. Revelations chapter 12, verse 9. Revelation 12, verse 9. Says that Satan is the one that deceives the whole world. He deceives the whole world. And so, we, again, we're in the world, we're not of the world. And so Satan is the deceiver of the whole world. He can't deceive me if I stay hooked up with the body of Christ, submitted to authority, and stay in the Word of God. And so you as a Christian, you stay hooked up to spiritual authority. If I'm your pastor and I'm teaching the Bible, then Paul said in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, Follow me as I follow Christ. As I bear the fruit of Christ, follow me. Do what I do and get what I've got. And so you can't be deceived if you're hooked up with a Bible pastor that's bearing Bible fruit. Now, if you're some goofball pastor that's sinning, doing wrong things, and you know what he's doing wrong for the Bible, man, get out of there, run, shout, get out of there, get away from him. But if, you, if you're hooked up with a pastor that you know is a man of God by the Spirit and by the fruit in his life, then stay hooked up. And sit in services like this and you won't be deceived. Amen. The truth will set you free, Jesus said. And so it says deceives the whole world. And so as Christians, you got to stay hooked up. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 8 and verse 9. And we're talking about what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 8. At verse 9, does everybody see these scriptures in your Bible? Well, that, you know, that, I just want to say this. I'm so grateful. I had a pastor when I got born again that taught me the Bible. He taught me the importance of bringing my own Bible, of taking notes, taking my Bible home and studied it because there's so many people 
I hear some preachers say, well, the Bible says, and that, that, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm so serious about the Word of God, that really bothers me if I have a guest speaker in my church. And you're sitting out here, and then we have some brand new people who have never even heard the Bible taught before, know nothing hardly about the Bible, or maybe Christians, and all these things. For a preacher to get there and stand there and just, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, I sit there sometimes just burning up somebody like that, and I think, please show them where it says it at. Please show them where it says it at. If they tell me the Bible says something, I think, wait a minute, I've never seen that verse. Tell me where it says it at. Where's it say it at? And so whether it's in my church or I visit some other church or TV preacher, an internet preacher, whoever it is, if somebody tells me the Bible says it, praise the Lord, show me where it says it. I want to see that it says it because it might not say it. Amen. And so I'm showing you about this point here, about recognizing the source of your enemy. And so 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your goofy wife, your stupid husband, your dumb parents, your rebellious child, that politician, your adversary, that mean boss you got. No, who's your adversary? The devil. As a roaring lion... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So he's all the time, that's why Ephesians 4.27, write that down if you want to. Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. Just because he knocks doesn't mean you got to answer unless you're going to answer in the name of Jesus. It says, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. But it says, seeking whom he may devour. He's all the time looking for an opening in your life. Well, I got you writing down scriptures. You'll come it out of me, so write it down. Luke 4.13. Luke 4.13. After Jesus had resisted the devil, Luke 4.13 says Satan backed off for a season. They're going to come back and try it again. And so it says he seeks whom he may devour. But then verse 9 is what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. Verse 9 then says, who resists steadfast in the faith. Well, the Greek says, in your faith, with your own faith, you resist the devil steadfast in the faith. And that word resist means the quality of not yielding to force or external pressure. Not yielding to force or external pressure. That means to act in opposition to an impulse or pressure from another. To act in opposition to the impulse or pressure of another. Let me tell you something. You don't think about you, Jenny, in this. If what you shared a while ago. Let me tell you the difference. So many people want to know how to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14. I'm glad you guys are writing these notes down. Because I'll tell you what, this is really going to help you. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, through the sons of God. And just a little side note. That word sons right there means a mature Christian. means mature. Because you look at verse 16 then, it says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. That means a new, new, new Christian, a young Christian. So the Spirit bears witness, and then as you grow, you learn to follow the leadings when you're a son, and when you're more mature. And so the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And so what he's saying there is this, the same Spirit that came to you when you got born again, or that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, I'm a born again Christian. I know I'm changed on the inside of not who I used to be. I know that I know that I know that I know. 
like Pastor Dave shared about that lady this morning that uh, in Pakistan, been in prison now nine years because she won't renounce Jesus. She knows that she knows that she knows that she knows. Heaven's real. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And I know that I know that I know that I know. Well, that's the spirit in you. It's a gentle thing. It's a peaceful thing. He's got, he's a, Jesus is a prince of peace. It's peace. But then the devil, when you're praying about things, and pressure starts coming, got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. These people tell you that if you don't sign this thing right now, tomorrow the deal's off, you don't get that $12,000 and 20% interest tomorrow. Oh, I gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta do it. Say, sign right now, the offer's done. If you, if you leave right now, I'm taking the offer off the table. It's done. That's pressure. That's pressure. When people inspired by the wrong spirit, in any situation you're in, I don't care what it is, when they pressure you and you feel fear coming on you, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to give it. I don't do it now. Uh-uh. God leads by peace, not by pressure. That's the wrong spirit. That's the time you get up, you walk out the door, and you say, thanks but no thanks. I don't need it. God's got something better for me. Amen. And so it says, you resist steadfast with your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. Now look at this, that are in the world. Well, remember, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so there's two different kinds of Christians, either in the Word or in the world. We have to function in the world, but if we stay in the Word, then the world won't get in us. Amen. We have to function in the world system, but we need to live in the Word as we function in the world system. He says, these afflictions, these problems, these pressures are accomplished in Christians that live more in the world than in the Word. We can enjoy life on this earth in this world. We can enjoy life, but life won't overwhelm us if we live in the spiritual realm and follow God. Amen? Amen. And so he says, resist steadfast in the faith. And I want to remind you, if you're a person of faith, number one, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God from Romans ten seventeen. You cannot resist steadfast in the faith unless you're steadfastly hearing the word of God. Because the only way you're going to have faith is to hear the word of God. And then Jesus said, faith works by what you say. Mark eleven twenty three. he said, the faith of God works by what you say and what you believe in your heart. So if you're going to resist steadfast in the faith, as the words come into your heart, it's coming out of your mouth. Are you not resistant steadfast to the faith? And then number three, James one twenty two. If you resist the steadfast to the faith, James said, "Be doers of the word, and not hearers only." So you got to keep on hearing, speaking, and obeying the word of God that you're, that you're hearing. So I'll close that point number one by saying this: the word works when you work the word. The word works when you work the word. So recognize the source of your problem. Somehow, some way, Satan's always behind it. And then point number two, make sure what you're praying for, what you're asking God for, is in line with his holy written word. Make sure that the Bible says it belongs to you before you go claiming it. First John chapter 5, verse 14 At verse 15, 
1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. Well, I'll tell you what, I feel like an old cowboy bit off the horse for a while. I feel like I'm back in the saddle. Man, this is fun to ride. <laughs> it is. I'll tell you what, it's so, I'm so grateful God's blessed me to be a Bible teacher, to be able to share the Word of God to where people can get it and get victory in their lives. As 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15, says this, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that's in God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Well, how can we know the will of God? The will of God is the Word of God. God tells us what He wills in the Bible. The Holy Spirit moved on men to write down words from the heart of God. So if the Bible says it, there's the will of God for you. It says, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. If we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, that's because we're praying the word, then we know that we have. We have the petitions. We have the request. We have the petitions that we desired of Him. In other words, when we prayed in the name of Jesus, in line with the Word of God, that God says you've got it. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the book of Daniel, right towards the end of the book of Daniel. Daniel was praying about some things that God put on his heart to pray about. And it says for three weeks, he fasted, he prayed, he waited on the answer. And then after three weeks, it says 21 days later, the Bible says, the angel Michael showed up. And he said, from the first day you prayed, I started this way. He said, but there's resistance in the heavenlies. He said, I did combat with demon spirits trying to get to you with the answer. And so God says that we pray the first time, He hears us. But sometimes there's things out there taking place we can't see holding up the answer, especially when it involves other people. Has, you know, maybe this has never happened to you, it's happened to me. Has God ever moved on you to bless somebody you said on it? You know, God said, help them, do something like that. And you just kind of got busy life, forgot it. Well, then finally you get to the place where, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to help them. Well, they waited for all that time and God was moving on you to be the one supposed to help them. And they were praying God heard them. And then God moved on Josh. Go help him get that car fixed. Amen. God moved on John. John, you're a carpenter. Go help make that repair at that lady's house. And then busy with life and forgot it. Well, God heard the prayer the first time. They had to walk in patience before the vessel that he's going to use finally responded. That's the same, same thing in our lives. And so I purposed, wow, I know at least 30 years ago when I saw this work, I purposed what I knew how spiritual laws work, what you sow, what you reap. I I purposed I wanted the first responders of my life to be quick. And so I purposed, if God tells me to give somebody $500, I'll tell you what, I've walked with him long enough, I know when it's God. God tells me to do that because i got a wife and we walk in agreement and our, our money's joint money together and neither one of us ever, ever backs off when he says bless somebody. If God says, hey, I want you to do this like that, but all we do we get we get to our checkbook. We get whatever we got to do is get that money out. We lay hands on prayer in the name of Jesus. Say thank you, Father. It wasn't ours anyway. You blessed us with it. Lay hands on it. We get the money to him. Why is that? Well, Jesus multiplies the seed you sow. If I need five thousand dollars, 
I don't want God to look at my record and say, man, I will, all I want to do is bless them with $500. took him six months to do it. Well, dude, you're going to have to wait for a while because, you know, you're a slow sower. And so we sow fast so we can reap fast. Amen. And so we have to recognize that the Spirit of God in us will lead us, but we've got to respond to those leadings. And so then when it comes to God's will, he said, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So as soon as we pray the word of God, God's listening. Now you got your pencils out of what you write a statement down. And so he said right here, when you pray the word, you're praying the will. When you're praying the will, you're getting the answer, right? Okay, now listen to this. Write this down. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting his word back up at him. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting his word back up at him. And by the way, a verse that goes with that is Isaiah 55.11. And Isaiah 55.11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth that shall not return to me void. That means it's coming back up. But shall accomplish that which I please and prosper the thing whereto I sent it. And so I know that for me, when I got a hold of these two verses, years and years ago, I realized that my prayers for things in my life were useless if I wasn't praying the Word. And so, whenever I'm praying about things, I stop and I do an inner check. Is this in line with the Word of God? Did God say this is what I could pray for? Because He said, when I pray the Word, I pray the will. When I pray the will, I'm getting the answers. And so, look at John chapter 15. We'll look at one more verse on this point number two to make sure what you're praying is in line with the Word. John chapter 15 Verse 7 and verse 8. John 15, verse 7 and verse 8. Jesus said this. If you abide in me, that means to be born again to live in Jesus. If you abide in me and my words abide and my words live in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, I want to say something here. If he just said, if you abide in me, ask what you will, it shall be done unto you, everybody gets their prayers answered then. But he didn't say that. He said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Do you see the clause? He didn't say, if you're born again, you live in me, just ask whatever you want to. Well, Lord... I think I'd like to have a million dollars today. You wouldn't know what to do with it. You'd probably got to spend it on a goofy lottery. <laughs> you know, I don't study those numbers, but I've heard so many numbers off those people with that money. After a year or two or three, man, they're back on skid row because they didn't know how to manage it. God says the first thing you do when you get money, you tithe. You tithe. You ask you for wisdom what to do with your money. You handle money right. And so he didn't say, ask what you will. He said, my words abide in you. In other words, the word of God becomes part of your life. And so automatically, whenever you're praying, you're praying the word. Because the word's alive in you. And you can't pray. You know, I'm not bragging, 
I'm just talking about the life I've chosen to live all the years. Have you noticed tonight how many verses came out of me? That's because I put those in for years and years and years and years. I can't preach. I can't talk. I can't pray without the Word of God coming out. I cannot have a conversation with you without my spirit listening to what you're saying to know where you are in your faith. Because I know if, if you're talking stuff that's contrary to the faith, as a pastor I know on the inside of me, I see your face in my prayer closet like, wow. I was talking to them about the problems they're going through. And 99% of what they said was contrary to the Bible. And so I've got to pray for them to get a hold of this because their prayers are never going to get answered until they get a hold of the Word. Now I want to just... One, one thing about the verse I want to tell you. Of course, verse 8 says that uh, here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall be my disciples. Talk about prayer fruit. Talk about prayer fruit. But if you abide in me... And my words abide in you. In the Greek, my words abide in you means my words have their place in your conduct. My words have their place in your conduct. If the Word of God's living in you, it'll control the way you act. If the Word of God's living in you, it'll put a, it'll put a check on your mouth how you talk, how you act, what you say, what you do. And then it says, have their place your conduct. Then where it says, ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Now get this. This is a powerful statement. The Greek says, shall leap into being and become a fact. It shall be done unto you. Greek says, it'll leap into being and become a fact. What happened when God said, let there be light? It became a fact. What happened when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth? And you know, people say Lazarus walked out of there. Lazarus couldn't have walked out of there. Says he was wrapped in dead clothes. You ever seen a mummy? Mummies don't walk. Carnal man, when they teach that passage, they say what they think. Well, you come walking, hopping. It says, Lazarus come forth. It says, Lazarus is right there. God translated that man out of that tomb. And then he told the disciples, he said, unwrap him now. And so he didn't. He was there. When God says things, things happen. That always gets me. Another thing always gets me too. They always say, Saul fell off his tall horse. It says he fell to the ground. There's people fall to the ground up here all the time. You pray for them and that power of God comes on them like this. Saul, they fall to the ground. They didn't fall off a horse. People always read into the Bible what they think it ought to say or what they heard somebody else say. But Saul, those guys, man, they walked everywhere they went. Oh, well, back to the preaching. It says, leap into being, become a fact. And so when God's word comes out of your mouth in prayer, there's things take place in the spirit. But they start happening now. So the number two thing, what to do we do when faith seems weak and victory lost? Make sure that you're praying the word of God. And, uh, you know, I think about that when you're, when you're praying the word of God, that's in line with the Word of God. You can pray for a husband if you need a husband. You can pray for a wife if you need a wife because God blessed marriage in the Bible. You need a job, you can pray for a job. That's easy to do because God said He'll bless what you set your hand to. God said that men ought to work if they want to eat. And so God told us things like that. You can pray for healing. You can pray for your children to be disciples of the Lord, be what God wants them to be. There's so many things the Bible lists that are blessings from Him. Some things you need to pray in. You need to speak them in. 
And you need to tell Satan, keep his hands off your stuff. Keep his hands off your wife if you're bleeding for a wife. Keep your hands off your husband, off your children. You need to take authority over those things. And so that's what God said we should do. And so I want to say this as we close out this. Satan can't stop the word from working. All he can do is try to stop you from working the word. Just like a seed planted in the ground. Once you plant the seed, if you'll water it, let it get the right kind of sunshine, keep weeds out, you're going to grow a plant because God put the life in the seed. And in the right conditions, the seed's going to grow and make a plant. God put his life in the word. When the word gets in your heart under the right conditions, you water it with prayer. You water it with meditation of the word of God. That word's going to start growing. That's going to produce whatever God said was it. And somebody said, amen. Amen. So the number three thing, sin is a blessing blocker. Sin is a blessing blocker. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 17. I have sincerely prayed that people get answers tonight to help things in your life. If you're having a hard time going through a hard place and you haven't got the victory yet, that if you'll just think about these things and maybe even buy that book back there and, and do some study, it goes into a lot more detail than I am tonight. But if you will, you're going to be able to go through a checklist, start making some adjustments, and just like your car, car starts running rough, take the mechanic, get a tune-up. And it'll start running right again. So if your faith has worked good before, but you're struggling now, just get a tune-up to these things we're saying, and you're going to start moving full steam ahead. But James chapter 4 Verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth to not, it is sin. You know, sometimes people try to figure out what a sin is, what it's not. Of course, we know the Ten Commandments. All the thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That's obvious sin. But God's the only one in the whole world that knows what's in your heart and what he put in your heart. And you know, that's why I know that uh, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I'm conscious it's not at all so much what I do in my life that you can see or what I've said in my mouth that you could hear. It's what I'm thinking of my mind and what I'm doing. Nobody's looking but God because he's with me everywhere I go. He's the blesser. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my wisdom. He's my all in all. And I always want to do good in front of you. But what matters is what I do good when you're not watching me. And what matters is what I'm thinking with my mind that I dwell on. You know, Second uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 3, 4, and 5. That's some more spiritual warfare verses. But anyway, Second Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5. Talks about we're not worn with the flesh. Says that again. But anyway, he says that we're to cast down thoughts and imaginations. At every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, the knowledge of God is the Word of God. And so here's what I've learned. Another one I learned off Brother Hagin. See, every thought that comes to your head is not yours. He says we're to cast down thoughts and imaginations that don't agree with the Bible. And so, you you got plenty of paper left? Write this down. Here's another statement for you. Thoughts may come. Thoughts may come. And they, and they may persist in staying. They may persist in staying. But thoughts 
that are not put into word or action die unborn. Thoughts that are not put into word or action die unborn. Now let me tell you how that works. I'll say that one more time in case some of you didn't get it all the way. Thoughts may come and they may persist in staying. But thoughts that are not put into word or action die unborn. Okay? Has anybody ever... I, I haven't watched cartoons for so many years. I don't even know what they are now. They're probably so stupid. I wouldn't want my grandkids to even see them. But anyway, I remember they used to have this cartoon, you know, little all the little cartoon shows. They'd have an angel get on this shoulder here and a little demon get on this shoulder here. And the angel would be telling you what to do to do something right. And the little demon over here whispering, tell you what to do something wrong, something that's bad. Well, that's how it is in real life. But here's what you've got to get. Now, maybe what I'm getting ready to say right now is going to help you more than anything you've heard tonight. Satan never talks to you in third person. He always talks to you in first person, like it's your thought. Satan is not going to tell you to hate somebody or hold unforgiveness and say, I'm a demon spirit. Forget what the Bible says. You can never forgive them. You know what he's going to say? He's going to get on your shoulder, Marcella. And he's going to say it in this voice where you think it's your thought. I could never forgive them. That's a demon spirit saying I, but he makes you think it's you thinking I. I can never forgive them till the day I die. I, I can love them in Jesus' name, but I can never forgive them. Well, that's a demon spirit telling you that. And you need to say, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. That's not the Spirit of God. The Bible says I've got God's love in my heart. God's love forgives. God's love overlooks sins. It says I can never forgive them. Or you're sitting in a church like this. That's offering time. And say, for example, one of the Sunday school teachers comes up and says, well, we're going to take up an offering for the children's church. And we need to buy this and do this. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're sitting at a holy church service. And, and you think you think this, but it's not you thinking this. And all of a sudden, you've got this in your head. I am not giving another thing. I've given to this, and I've given to that as my money, and I'm not giving another thing. I wish they just shut up about money in this church. Where do you think that spirit came from? The Spirit of God says, Give it, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the whole thing is, when those things come to you first, first, uh, person, words in your mind, I, or, you know, the one that's used on me over the years, not for a long time, I'll never forget when I was a truck driver especially, be driving places, going places. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd walk into a place, smoke-filled room, because I deliver stuff, and I used to be a very serious smoker. Don't tell anybody, but I smoked, I used to smoke three or four packs of Marlboro cigarettes a day. A long time ago. A long time ago. And I used to, I used to hear a song said, it's Miller time. I said, boy, I can't wait to get off. Like that. Well, I remember I'd walk in a smoke-filled room, and I was a baby Christian, 
And I didn't know what all I know now, but I knew it wasn't meat. I'd hear this thought. Don't that smell good? Would you like to have one of those? I'd say, no, I don't want one of those. Get out of here, devil. It doesn't smell good. Or I remember one night I was driving home from work and there was a great big billboard in front of my car. And it said, Miller time. And there's a liquor store right there. I looked at it and said, no, devil, I'm not falling for that. It's not Miller time. It's Jesus time. I'm going home reading my Bible. And so I'm telling you, get this. When those thoughts come to your head about something you know is sinful, you open your mouth and you say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. You say, Jesus, I love you, Marcel. I'm talking about the Spirit of God. Man, don't let that thing get on you. Don't let it get in you. That's not you. You got God's love in your heart. You forgive. You love. And those things come to you. And it comes to you and says, I, 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 I. I say, devil, I recognize your voice. My pastor warned me about you. I'm resisting you. I bind you in Jesus' name. No, you're not going to do it. Amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. So James 4.17 says, You know to do good, not to you it's sin. Okay. You've heard this a lot lately, but I'm going to say it again. Two categories of sin. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of commission are like the Ten Commandments. It says don't lie. Well, you don't lie. It says don't steal, so you don't steal. It says uh, don't commit adultery. It tells you all the things not to do, but the sins of omission are the things to do. When God puts it on your heart, you know, I know that uh, Maxine's husband this morning came up. He wanted prayer to know the will of God, what to do. Well, I can't tell him or anybody else what the will of God is for them to do. Can't tell. I know, I know Frank. He wants to know at this point in his life the will of God, what's he supposed to be doing for his life. Nobody can tell you. But God will put it in your heart what he wants you to be doing right now. And then when he does, nobody even knows that because God's not telling. He's not telling you what I'm supposed to be doing. He's telling you what you're supposed to be doing. And so then... Now write this verse down, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, or you deceive your own self. And so Christians that know to do good, but God wants them to do, if they don't do it, they says to you it's sin. So you need to do it, or you get in the arena of self-deception. And I want to close with one more verse in this category right here to help you. Romans 14.23. Keep it in mind, this third point I'm talking about, I've called it sin is a blessing blocker. Sin is a blessing blocker. And uh, keep in mind what I'm looking at here especially is the sin of omission. That not so much that you're doing something wrong, but you're not doing what God told you to do. Sin's a blessing blocker. So Romans 14.23 the last part of that verse says, so whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Jacob, could you pop that up there in the Amplified Bible? Is that very hard to do? Pardon me? Oh, it's having to mess it up. Okay. Romans 14, 23, King James says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now listen to this real closely, because this last statement I'm going to make is really going to clinch this thing for you and to help you. The Amplified Bible says, for whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin, that is, whatsoever is done without a conviction 
of its approval by God is sinful. Whatever is done, now listen to this. I have prayed this for years and years and years and years over decisions I make in life. Whatever is done without conviction of its approval by God is sinful. When I came to California from Indiana, I lived in Indiana 54 years. I had a dad and a mom that were dying in a nursing home when I came out here. I had a, uh, how old was Annie? 17? 17 year old daughter, 15 year old son that I left in Indiana. Been taken care of, but I left a dad and mom that were dying and a son and a daughter be taken care of. Of course, Annie's being care, taken care of by Josh and Joe's being taken care of his good neighbors. But when God put it in our hearts to come to California, I really, really, really had to do some praying and soul searching about what to do. Not only was I leaving where I'd lived for 54 years, but I left some close family members to be taken care of by God and others. And so in my heart, I knew in my heart that God's approval was me to come to California and take care of the rest. And he always has take care of it. And so decisions of life, when God begins to deal with you to do something in life, you got to get alone. You got to get quiet. And not just make split-second decisions about major things of life. You've got to stop. You've got to get quiet. Listen to your heart where Jesus lives. And I always open up this verse and look out of my eyes. I say, Lord, if I don't do this, then I know I'm missing you. And if I do do this, Lord, then I know I've got peace about doing this for you. And so what am I doing then? I'm moving forward in faith. Because I know what I'm doing is pleasing God. And see, that works another way, too. Sometimes there's good things <clears throat> that good, well-intentioned people will tell you. At least you've got to do this, you've got to do this. At least this is what you're supposed to be doing. Well, if God don't put it in your heart to do it, at least don't do it. You've got to be convicted in your heart that God wants you to do it. It's good things. How many people have told us over the years all the places we ought to be starting churches? We're not, start, we're not called to start churches everywhere. We got one church in one place that God called us to pastor. Well, you ought to be going over here doing this. Well, if God tells me to, I will. If He don't, it's sin to me because not a faith it's sin. And so, in your life and the things you've got to do, look at a verse like this. And when you know in your heart you're pleasing God by doing it, you look up to heaven. And if everybody around you comes against you, you know the number one is for you. You please Him. Amen. And so, with those three things right there, I really believe. If you will look at those verses over the next few days, especially if you're through a crisis, and see some things you've got to adjust and change, adjust and change, because Romans 8, 31, if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. We can win. Well, let's cheer him now. Stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.